Good evening, everyone. It's uh, really great to see all you out. I appreciate you coming to back to worship here. Uh, the guests, uh, welcome guests. Uh, glad to see all of y'all again. Uh, thank you for the opportunity to let me come and speak to you. If you'd like to at this time, turn over to Matthew uh, chapter 13. And much like Kyle's lesson this morning, this is uh, where all of our lessons are going to come from, Matthew chapter 13, where uh, Jesus is speaking in parables to his disciples and the people coming to listen to him. Uh, to kind of give a backstory, I've uh, been trying to have less time where I'm just not thinking about anything and try to think about more things. Uh, I can thank Logan for that. He really challenges me a lot to, uh, uh, to better myself. And, and with that, it's just kind of thinking more. And I heard a song, and it was it described somebody as uh, being evergreen. And ever since then, it just really pricked my curiosity, it pricked my heart, and I, I really love the idea of describing myself as an evergreen. Uh, so tonight's lesson is titled The Parable of the Pine Tree. So for me to kind of also get everything out of the way, no, this parable is not in the Bible. Jesus never, ever talked about a pine tree. Uh, this is all from me. Uh, a parable was a story with a spiritual meaning uh, that Jesus used to teach people. Uh, as, we, as we'll read here a little bit in Matthew, it goes a lot further uh, than what was said and what was done and why he did it this way. Um, so this one, at the end, when I talk about it, it's, it's just for me. And I wish I had a really cool story that I had made up. Uh, as much as I had been thinking about this, Richard called me Friday night asking me to fill in while I was at work. I said, yeah, I can I can put this together because uh, I've been thinking about it anyways. So without further ado, let's go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 13, and we'll begin uh, with verse 1, the parable of the sower. I'm not going to talk in length about the sower tonight, but it helps build a, a good foundation for what the other parables we're going to go into. So the parable of the sower, it says, The same day Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea, and great crowds gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat down, and the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell on the path, and the birds came out and devoured them. Other seeds fell on the rocky ground, where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. And other seeds fell on good soil, produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty, and he who has ears, let him hear. Now, before we continue on, Jesus uses the parables coming up, and they're all really farming-related. And there's a really great purpose for that. Much like Kyle talked about the Ethiopian eunuch today, Philip knew his audience. He took the time to assess the situation, to realize what the eunuch was, uh, where he was at along his spiritual path. And he used uh, the key words, uh, do you understand what you're reading there? And so he really fit in there. Uh, Jesus, this is an agrarian society. I hope I used that word correctly. I just looked it up yesterday, where it was focused on agriculture. So I w I've always been curious, what would Jesus, what kind of parables, if he game today, not that he will, what would he use to speak to us that we could understand? Because I'm no farmer. I'm not going to pretend or play to be. I, my mom had a garden growing up. Uh, but, you know, as we study this, these, a lot of these stories would make sense to the people because a lot of them were farmers or helped on farms. So let's continue in verse 10. 
says the purpose of the parables. And the disciples came and said to them, Why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered them, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given, he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, You will indeed hear, but never understand. You will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with the ears they can barely hear. Their eyes they have closed. Lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for the, they see, your eyes for, the, for your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. I know one thing I really want to point out first is the disciples come up to Jesus after he gave this parable, and it was the interesting question they asked him. And this is where, you know, I always try to say it's okay for us to ask questions because the disciples are full of them. And they say, why do you speak in parables? And that kind of piqued my, piqued my curiosity also. Well, why would you ask that question? That's a fair question. How were the scribes teaching the people in this day? How were the Pharisees teaching these people? Uh, it's interesting to think that maybe they just got up and uh, I don't know what kind of sermons they would provide to the people or maybe they would just get up and read the law. But Jesus takes it a very step further. So he's going to teach them about the law. He's going to teach them about God. But at the same time, he's going to do it in a way to where they can understand it. He's going to do it on their level. But in the same sense, too, these parables have hidden meanings. Uh, and all these are tied into the kingdom of God. Uh, as we continue on in verse 18, it says, The parable of the sower explained. It says, Here then the parable of the sower, When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches him away and has been sown into his heart. Now this is key to remember. This is what uh, was sown along the path. And as for those that were sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but in, endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution comes, uh, <clears throat> arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for the one sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but uh, the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and prove unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case, a hundredfold, another sixty, and another thirty. So here's a really good example of Jesus taking the time. He says, you know, these are maybe hard to understand, and especially if nobody's ever instructed you this way. Could you imagine having a new teacher every time you have to do math? And they would teach math a different way to you, and it was their way. In a sense, though, this is kind of good because you get a good way because some people learn things differently than others. I'm sure we can all agree on. And Jesus here is teaching people in parables. So now uh, we're going to get into our first one, and this is the, one, the parable of the weeds and the wheat. And that's going to start in verse 24. He put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? He said to them, An enemy has done this. So the servant said to him, then do you want us to go and gather them? He said, no, lest in gathering the weeds, you root up the wheat along with them. 
Let both grow together until the harvest, and at harvest time I will tell the reapers, gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, and gather the wheat into my barn. Uh, so this is one that I want to focus on here. And on the right side, you can see that uh, this is found in all the synoptic gospels. Uh, and there's also some parallels to the other ones that we're going to use. There's a sower, right? Who is this sower that's the, um, sowing the seed? Um, but in this case, we have two sowers. On the first one, we had one sower going along a path, uh, passing the seed out. In this one, we have the good sower who sowed the good seed. And then we have an enemy of that sower. He comes and sows bad seed. And all these have representations later. Uh, And then we have the weeds and we have the wheat. And then also, uh, you know, as we go into it, we want to know what is the wheat? What is uh, the sower? Who is he? What is this field that he has that he's planting on? So if we go back to what Jesus explained to the disciples concerning parables, he said, seeing they don't see, hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand, and he's teaching us these stories so that uh, those seeking the truth will understand it and more will be given to them. It's not, uh, I think this, that verse earlier where it says, to him who has more, more will be given, or him who has much, much more will be given. Uh, some people take that way out of context and say, oh, if you have a lot, God's just going to keep giving you a lot. And that's not the case at all. But uh, Jesus' sole purpose was always to fulfill the word and to uh, uh, enrich people to say, seek and save the lost. So these parables, they're all related to the kingdom of God. And when approached by the disciples, Jesus explains the field is the word, the world. The good seed are those of the children of righteousness. And that on the harvest day, when the weeds and the grain have grown together, you know, they're in really close proximity. What's going to be plucked out first? It's going to be those weeds. And those represent the unrighteous people. And they're going to be bound up by the reapers, uh, which are the angels, as Jesus later explains in the chapter. And they'll be separated and thrown into the fire uh, on that appointed day, which we know is Judgment Day. So after we move on from this one, uh, we're not going to go into the meaning of the parable of the weeds. We're going to go on to the parable of the mustard seed. Uh, And this is one of my favorite ones, uh, mostly because I always like learning something new. And uh, I didn't understand how small a mustard seed really was. You know, you think about mustard as a condiment sitting on top of your table all the time, um, (laughs) but not really thinking how it gets there, where it comes from. And so in Matthew 31, 32 is where we find that um, in chapter 13. It says, He put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. Now, real quick, how, what does he first say? The kingdom of heaven. So here we are. We're setting up. He's talking about the kingdom of heaven, and it's like what? It's like a grain of a mustard seed. Now, people in this day, if they're listening to uh, Jesus and they hear him say, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, and here they are living under Roman oppression, they're going to think, well, what can a mustard seed do to the Roman empire? The Roman empire must be, uh, I know they wouldn't have sequoia trees and redwoods there, but you know they would try to describe the Romans as something even greater than that. But he says, a man took and sowed it in the field. So here we have another man sowing, and he's in the field. It says, It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it has grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. And he told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in the three measures of flour till all was leaven. Now, it's interesting that we have all these parables keep coming in, keep coming in. 
And if we were to go into more, there's more parables, uh, the hidden treasure, the pearl of great value, and the parable of the net. But we're not going to go into it. We're going to focus on the parable of the leaven and the mustard seed. So I have some of these other points up here. It's uh, the kingdom of heaven here as a mustard seed. It focuses on growth. It's not necessarily what it is at that moment, but what it will become. Uh, most things start off small. And, uh, another big point is Jesus says you need to trust in God provide, to provide that increase. And some of these uh, examples are from Isaiah 11.9 and Malachi 1.11. Uh, we cannot uh, take it from Philip again, from the Ethiopian eunuch, since we talked about that today. And, you know, what did that Ethiopian eunuch, Kyle, mention? What did he do when he got back to Ethiopia? You know, would he spread that word? Um, one thing that Philip may have wondered was, and you cannot look at somebody and have taught them the word, and just looking at the size of that seed that they are, and you cannot possibly see, imagine the growth that could possibly happen. And with this example, Jesus uses a mustard seed that though it's very tiny, when it does grow, it grows so large that birds can come and roost in it. Uh, mustard seeds in Palestine, they grew over 10 feet tall, I found out. And once again, when teaching the Word of God, we cannot tell what kind of Christian is going to result. Um, if you have a mustard seed, though, it's going to produce a mustard tree, right? Uh, so, but the big point is that the smallest beginning may surprise you because it may become the strongest Christian person you've ever seen who's able to bear and support others. Much as this uh, mustard seed, though it was small, you know, could it support anything? No. But once it started to grow and was nurtured and taken care for, it was able to support uh, birds that came and nested in it. And though this point is made, the focus still that we want to go back to was the kingdom of heaven. That's where Jesus talks about it. It's the kingdom of heaven that he's putting all this focus on. And what's going to happen? You know, uh, we talked about in John, uh, we just finished John, and Jesus died. Uh, for, and that may have seemed like a defeat at first. But this church, it was founded uh, after, on Jesus' death and resurrection that it started off very small. It was very insignificant. Could you imagine Satan, the Pharisees, and the enemies of God saying, you know what, we defeated them. This is over. This small problem we had that was starting to get big, it's gone. But now look, look, and if we were to go into Acts and Romans and uh, further on, even let's look at today, how far that kingdom of God has come, that there was no stopping its growth and uh, what happened to it. Uh, one other point that I, I really want to focus on here, and I had, I had never really thought about it, though, was let's tie the birds back to some of the other parables. Not that Jesus used them here, but the birds that were used in the parable of the sower, what were they? What was their representation of? If we remember it, Jesus says it was Satan. He came and he flew in. He swept those people off the path. You know, those seeds didn't even have time to come in. And then also, in Revelation 18.2, it speaks about unclean birds. And that may be a little bit more of a stretch. Uh, but what I really want to make also is the parable of the weeds and the wheat. So the weeds grew among the wheat at the same time. Um, so even though all these birds are provided shelter in this tree, it may not necessarily mean that they're all uh, righteous birds, if you will. So it's, uh, and that, as we can see, that has happened in the church. Even in, from the very beginnings, people that were lying and uh, those that fell away, that uh, even though that the church may harbor shelter for those while they're alive, you know, still at Judgment Day, um, let's say those unclean birds will be taken away from the clean birds. 
And now the last uh, parable before we get to the parable of the pine tree, which I know you're really excited about, is the parable of the leaven. Uh, once again, I never really worked with leaven because bread is available at Walmart, things like that. Uh, Miss Laura, she always talks about how good the bread used to be in her day. Uh, but So whenever I read about leaven, I had to kind of look into it a little bit more to find out uh, how it's used and what it's done. Um, it says, a little leaven goes a long way, everyone understands. And how quickly does it really spread? I tried looking this up on Google uh, to see if there was a time frame of, if you put leaven in a certain lump of dough, how long until it's all been leavened? And, and nothing could answer to me. But it says it's quickly. Uh, the, the yeast will multiply very fast. And once it's in, there's no stopping it. You can't separate it. And... So as part of that is, how is the influence of uh, yeast or Christianity spread today? Is it being spread quickly? Is, um, you know, we're a, a part of Nicholasville community, and are we leavening this entire city, if you will? So once again, this, uh, and if you look at the first parable Jesus used, parable of the sower, that was pretty lengthy, right? Had a lot of points to it. And then he comes to the parable of the weeds, which wasn't as long, but still had a lot to it. And then he put the, the mustard seed. That was fairly short. Then we get to 11. That's even shorter. Uh, so hopefully this, these things are a lot easier for people to understand and get a hold of. Uh, but it says a small amount of leavened dough added to normal dough. It's going to spray quickly, and it will fill the entire loaf. Um, I could say Charles, for example. You know, when Natalie and I first started coming here, so many people were kind to us and leavened us, if you will. Um, and very quickly we became home, and this was family to us. Uh, the difference, uh, though, with this parable is the focus is on the hidden nature and the spread of the kingdom. Think of it as a good infection, if you will. Uh, the result is obvious, but the actual spreading of the kingdom is not easily tracked. I mean, can you really watch leaven as it goes throughout? I don't know. I've never done it. So if so, please let me know afterwards. Uh, the growth of the yeast, though, uh, in one that changes the nature of the medium in which it grows. So much like uh, people on different parts of this spiritual path. You know, once you start with that leaven, uh, once you start with the word, you know, Philip baptized the eunuch that same day. And imagine the eunuch taking it to uh, Ethiopia and how much he was probably leavening that uh, country of his that where he was at. And um, the big part is that uh, Christians, we have an impact on our society. We have an impact and we have influence um, it may not always seem as big and possible, but, you know, I've always heard if, if one person is saved, then it was worth it. Uh, we've talked about this new website. If one person can reach out and make a change in their life, then it's worth it. So each of these three parables, though, the weeds among the wheat, the mustard seed, and the yeast, they have six common elements that I kind of really want to focus in on. And some of these are, they have a, a similarity between the kingdom of heaven, which is the earthly sphere and profession of both true and false. They have a man, a sower. There is a field, there is, which is the world. There is a seed, uh, the word of God and its effect. There's growth or spreading of church growth. And there's still, though, with all this goodness, there is still a presence of evil that's around. There's, uh, it's not a sure thing. And some of these are represented by weeds and the birds of the air. And another warning, too, so we've kind of mentioned how the weeds, those are really obvious. Uh, the birds, I kind of talked to you that even though there are birds in it, there may not all be good birds. Uh, and then the yeast also. So as much effect as you can have on influencing for good, what if it's bad yeast? What if it's not good? 
Can you imagine spreading something that's bad? Uh, and I think that's where we need to take the time to uh, look at where we are and how we're teaching people. Now, the parable of the pine tree. And even though I, I call it a pine tree, the word that really struck me was evergreen. Uh, they have a lot of qualities. And, uh, people bring in uh, evergreen trees for their Christmas trees every year. Um, and there was reasons for that, too. What always amazed me is if you have a live tree that you can cut it off from its roots and it doesn't die right away, right? It still kind of hangs around for a couple weeks. But some of these qualities I listed over on the right side are they're also called evergreens for a good reason. They're resilient, they grow continually, and they're flexible. And so going along this uh, same kind of thing, uh, I'm not going to talk about the kingdom in, re in reference to these evergreens, but I want to talk about qualities of a Christian. And so once again, I want to reiterate, Jesus never used evergreens in his uh, parables, but I want to point out qualities that they have. And since they are God's creation, I think it's good for us to realize and things that we can adapt to our lives. So first, evergreens is their name. Why are they called this? Um, it's pretty obvious. They stay green all year long. Now, I don't know uh, how you take that, but, you know, if I look at an oak or a maple and I see that its leaves are changing in the fall, uh, don't get me wrong, I love that. I think it's beautiful. It's great. Uh, they have a reason, a purpose to do that. But evergreens, though, if we want to apply it to, say, like our lives, is they are consistent throughout the entire year, and they don't change in that sense. And what I want to do by that is... Um, that we need to be consistent and we need to be constant in so many aspects of our lives, whether it be our attendance coming here, whether it be uh, with our devotion to Bible studies or encouraging other people, we need to be constant Christians. We need to be evergreens in that sense, that we don't change and uh, we stay faithful and determined in our devotion to Christ, never changing. Uh, the next points I have are they're resilient and flexible. They can withstand some of the harshest temperatures. Uh, there's if you go up to some of the most winter lines, uh, wintry places, they have a tree line where the trees eventually stop growing. But the trees that are there are these evergreen trees. Uh, they have a natural antifreeze um, that's in their needles that help them from freezing. Whenever there is a lot of snowfall, some trees like oaks, even though they're big, strong, sturdy trees, if they have too much snow on them and they get so heavy, what happens to their limbs? As big and strong and sturdy as they are, they can break off. Not an evergreen, though. You know, if enough snow accumulates on it, it says, you know what, it's time to flex a little bit. And it lets them down. And it spares that, uh, it spares that limb, and uh, it doesn't lose that part of its body, if you will. And, uh, and that's one thing that I think we need to be. We need to be flexible. We need to be resilient. Whenever a lot of pressure comes your way and it's weighing on you, you need to be able to flex instead of break like an oak tree might. Um, and then not also know that, you know, that evergreen, even though it doesn't have a brain, it knows, all right, all I got to do is wait for this snow to melt off and I'll be back to normal where I can get my uh, branches back up. But the biggest part of that is it preserves that branch and it preserves that life that's still there. Um, however, one of the final aspects, and even though if maybe one of them branches come and are chewed off by a woodland creature or a chainsaw, uh, if for whatever reason it does break from something, maybe um, uh, there was a lot of pressure it couldn't withstand, such as somebody pulling on it, guess what they still do? Uh, they continue to grow. If you can see in this picture right here, 
This is a, a plant that was taken a picture of from 2002. This is where it was. In 2003, it was right here. In 2004, it was right here. Now, we're not using this to scale, but you know, that's probably about a foot and a half right there. That's not the real growth. But the fact is, they continually grow. Uh, if something happens to where it does break off, guess what? It is growing a new branch, and it's doing it quickly. Uh, if you've seen a tree grow from a sapling, it does take some time. Um, but eventually, it will grow tall. It's going to grow strong. And the branches will extend far out. And these trees are shown, uh, like I said in the picture, they are continuing to grow. And as Christians, what happens when we stop growing? We become stagnant. We become, uh, we start sliding backwards. Uh, so in a sense, we always need to be growing spiritually. We need to be feeding ourselves and nourishing ourselves with the word of God. And we can't afford to stop growing. And it's actually required for us to grow and bear fruit. So with... Uh, that's all that I had for the parable of the evergreen. Like once I said, maybe in the future I'll be able to get a nice story to go along with that. But I hope it's encouraged you and helped you uh, along your way. Uh, that, and if you would like to, maybe uh, come come talk to me if I miss something. I, I encourage you to. But you know, take time to look at God's creations and see what you can draw from them. Uh, draw strength from them. I uh, just want to really reiterate, you know, be flexible because pressures are going to come. Tough times are going to come. And it's in that moment, you know, that you can bear a lot on your shoulders. But remember, you're not alone. You have your brothers and sisters in Christ. Above all, you have God. And that it's okay to be flexible and to remember that pressure is not always going to be there and that it cannot break you if you do not want it to. If there's anyone here that has a need of the congregation now, though, will you come forward now as we stand and as we sing?